This is Sean Mandoli, and you're listening to the Hopeland Church Podcast. I hope this message meets you where you are and elevates you to where God is taking you. Enjoy the message. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Hopeland Online. Really stoked to be here to preach the word to you, to dive into the word of God. We're starting a new series uh, right now, today. Here we go. Um, called Foolery, God's Message, Method, and Mandate, okay? So we are gonna jump right in. Great to be here. Stoked you're hearing the word. Stoked you're getting getting um, some word, whether you're at home, whatever you're doing right now online. Um, love y'all. Uh, Crystal Gale and I love you. We're praying for you. And um, let's pray and jump into the word. If you want to turn your Bibles to 2 Corinthians chapter 11, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, we'll start in verse 1. And let me pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the power of the Holy Spirit. We thank you for wisdom and revelation. We thank you for impartation of truth. We thank you for, Lord, the impartation of, of the word of God. We thank you, Lord, for the planting of the seed of the word of God. I pray that the soil's good. I pray that the soil's prepared. I, I pray that the soil of people's hearts is ready to receive the word. I pray that it wouldn't be on dry ground. I pray that it wouldn't be on ground that's, that is um, tainted and, and vexed by thorns and thistles and cares of this world. I pray that this seed would be planted on good soil and produce fruit in their life. In Jesus' name, amen. Here we go. Foolery, I know it's not a real word, but we're gonna use it because it's, it's reference, not the exact word, but foolishness in the Bible. It's very clear most of the time in scripture, foolishness is used in a negative way, okay? But there is a time, there is, there is scripture in the word of God speaking of God's method, his message, his mandate, that is uh, foolishness to the world, but not to God and not to us. Amen? So here we go. Second uh, Corinthians chapter 11, verse one. It says, oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly. Come on, somebody say foolery. Bear with me. This is the Apostle Paul writing to the church in Corinth, his second letter to them. Uh, and he's like, man, if you could just bear with me in a little folly. Uh, and, and indeed you do bear with me. Uh, verse two, for I am jealous uh, for you uh, with godly Jealousy. So it's just desire, this heart for the church there, this true, uh, I believe as pastors, leaders, those called into ministry, uh, we ought to have a true deep desire, a, a jealousy, a yearning, a zeal. Um, uh, this word comes from the, like the term like a boiling point, something that is just in our gut in um, our insides, just a desire and longing for God's people to rise up, a desire and a longing for God's people to be free, a desire and a longing. So he's like, man, if you just bear with me in a little, in a, in a little folly, I'm jealous for you, okay, with, with a godly jealousy. So so jealousy is is, 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 there's a negative side of it where it's like, I am jealous because um, of somebody else getting promoted. I'm, I'm jealous. It's like, it's not, it's a lust. It's like, 
We're, 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 you know, it's almost like a, a term we use nowadays that's, you know, haters gonna hate, right? So what is that? That's jealousy. People hating just because somebody else um, got a blessing and we're like, oh, they don't deserve that. Man, why don't I have that, right? We're jealous of somebody else getting blessed. Jealous of somebody else getting a job. Jealous of somebody else getting married. Jealous of somebody else uh, getting blessed financially or, or achieving something in their life. And we, you know, I'm sure you felt people around you at times, they are jealous. It's, it, that, that's, a, that's, that's the flesh that is in of God. Um, and and uh, we can be free of that. But here he's talking as a spiritual leader, as a pastor, apostle here, that he is jealous for them uh, because something else was stealing their attention other than Christ, okay? He was like, man, I am, like there's something wrong going on in that church. Not everything, but he was saying, man, I'm jealous for y'all. Something something else is getting your your attention other than Christ, something else. So I'm jealous for you with, it's a godly jealousy. I, I think we as Christ followers, man, we need to carry that zeal and passion and fire for other people. He's like, man, I'm jealous for you. I mean, I want to see you on fire for God, right? I, I, me as a pastor of Hopeland, man, I want to see people on fire for God. I want to see them living for God. I don't want to see them entangled with all other kind of drama and mess in life. I mean, it, life is messy, but it doesn't have to get in us. I mean, I am jealous for Hopeland Church, that Hopeland Church um, would uh, pursue God and love God and chase after God and be consumed with zeal for his house. I mean, this is beautiful for I'm jealous. You know, he's like, bear with me in a little folly. I'm jealous for you, okay? Uh, with godly jealousy. Um, for I have betrothed you to one husband or I have presented you to one husband, okay? One, one, Christ, one, not not other people, not things, not pursuits, not the goals, not this life, not this present world, but I have brought you to one husband. Uh, the, the church is the bride and Christ is the husband. And Apostle Paul's like, man, I've presented you to one husband. And I, I, I'm jealous for you. I, I, I got a godly jealousy, man. I wanna, I want, I wanna help clean this, clean your life up, right? I wanna help you. Uh, you know, this is what I have done. As a, as a, you know, he's saying as a spiritual leader, I've brought you to Christ. Uh, one husband, right? One. Somebody say one God. Somebody say one Savior, right? Somebody say one Lord. Okay, one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ, okay? Uh, you know, this is the, the simplicity in the word of God and in the gospel here, man. He's like, I have done this. I have presented you to Christ, one husband, one Lord, okay? And look at verse three, but I fear. So here's the problem. And he's talking to the church. He's talking to quote unquote church goers. He's talking to Christ followers. He's talking to those that are in the community of faith. He's talking to those that are in a local church that he is leading. And, and, and he's saying, man, I fear, man. Some, lest somehow uh, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness. 
Um, so your minds uh, may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. The apostle Paul would say, man, I've done this. I'm jealous for you. I've I've betrothed you, I've presented you, and I've brought you to one husband, Christ, as a, as a chaste virgin, as somebody separated and pure and set apart for God and set apart for the heart of God, set apart for the plan of God, set apart for the purpose of God. But I fear something's happened ever since I did that. Ever since uh, you came to that altar, something's happened. Ever since you, 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 you know, you might be walking with God and going through things, but man, something's gotten in there and kind of brought a wedge, brought a division between you and, and Christ alone, you and God alone, you and Jesus. Something has gotten in there. Some, some, you know, the serpent deceived Eve, deceived her into, into eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. He deceived her. She was walking with God, in relationship with God, with, with, with her husband. And there was, they were walking with God in the cool of the day and the serpent came in there and separated them. And God came down and said, man, Adam, where are you? So, so something got in the middle of this, the relationship of people in Christ in, in, this, in this moment in, in history. Something got in there, okay? Something got in there. But I fear, let's somehow, 1 Corinthians 11, verse three, but I fear, okay, let's somehow as the serpent deceived Eve with his craftiness, so your minds got corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And here it is, guys. We're talking about foolery, God's message, right? God's uh, method and God's mandate. Here it is. The foolishness of it is, it is extremely simple. Your life as a Christ follower in the complexity of life, there is a simplicity that the devil wants to steal from your faith. There is a simple approach to being a Christ. It is simple. It is not complicated. It is not complex. It is simple. The devil will try to deceive us into complicating life and faith. And I'm here to tell you today that your faith in Christ is simple. There is simplicity in Christ. The beauty of the gospel, my goodness, it is that it is extremely simple. Once again, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 3. The Apostle Paul, he's yearning for God's people to, to be uh, singularly focused on Christ. Um, and verse three, but I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds would be maybe corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. And I'm, we all know the devil tempts people to live a life of sin and to live in sin and, and, to, uh, sep and, to, and to whatever sin that is. I mean, you could fill in the blank. Of that's, he is the tempter. But to Christ followers, one of the ways he tries to deceive us is to complicate life and faith. He, if he can't get you out entirely away from God, he will complicate the faith. 
He will complicate, he will deceive us into thinking that this thing is so complicated and so complex and so many layers to it. And I understand life and relationship and, and elements of life are that way, but faith in Christ is not. Because it says here that the devil will try to deceive you into complicating it, into deceiving us, corrupting our mind from the simplicity that is in Christ. Okay, so the devil will try to, de to deceive us into complicating life and faith. And so here we go. I'm going to give you the definition of the word simplicity. Simplicity. I, I just, uh, you know, the, the, the series this month, foolery, foolishness, God's message, method, and mandate to the world is foolish. And the foolishness of it is this thing is simple, right? God loves you. He died for you. He wants to walk through life with you. That is the gospel. And that when we turn to him, we're forgiven. We are justified by grace through faith. I mean, this thing is that simple. Is it difficult at times? Is it hard at times? Yes. But just because it's difficult and hard doesn't mean it's not simple. And sometimes the difficulty of our faith is that we're allowing the devil to deceive us into, into complicating it. And let's just keep it simple, man. Let's keep it simple. He's the shepherd and we're the sheep. And sheep, you know, the Bible says, uh, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. It's God talking to us. I know them. That's us. And they follow me. That's it. I mean, that's it. I mean, if, if we do that um, as Christ followers, I mean, everything else is going to flow out of that. It's simplicity of the gospel. It is not religiously complex. Religion is complex. Faith in Christ is simple, okay? This thing is simple. So here we go. Your life should have a single focus, all right? This is gonna be simple today. What is, what, what's this message all about? Man, the simplicity of the gospel, the foolishness of the, of the gospel. The cross is foolishness. And the, one of the reasons it is foolish is because it is so simple. Okay, this thing isn't complex, all right? Your, your life should have a single focus. Here we go, here are my points. These aren't super deep and profound, but I'm telling you they are deep and profound because if we can do this, I mean, your, your life in Christ is just gonna get better. Just like we shared last week about how the life of the righteous gets brighter until the full day. Like this thing gets better. It gets brighter for us as Christ followers. Doesn't matter what's happening in society. It does matter, but what I'm saying, it does not, society, politics, the news, this world does not have the capacity to taint your faith or the presence of God on your life. If anything, I believe the presence of God will turn up in these times, that as the world gets darker, our, the church gets brighter. As the world gets more complex, our faith gets more simple. As the world gets more hateful, we just get more loving. As the world gets more um, divided, we get more unity. Come on now. This is not, this is not earthly. This is not something earthly, sensual, or demonic. This is Christ and him crucified. He died for us. And he says, I died for you. I love you and, and, and receive my love for you. And now go give that same love to other people. Like if the church did that, we would change the world. We would change our world if we did that. If we simply, simply did that. If that, let that be the focus. I know there's revelation and doctrine and theology and all that, but hey, let me tell, let me break it down right now. This is simple. Every message, every Bible study you have, 
every hope group you're in. At the end of the day, if you unpack that, you should only find love God and love people, period. That's it. If we're not getting that, we're doing something wrong. Because the Bible says loving God and loving people are what the, 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 the prophet, the law and the prophets hinge on these two. Jesus said in uh, Matthew and Mark that this is the greatest commandment. Love God and love people. If, if anything in our faith is outside of that, we're off. We're, we're complex. It's too complex. It's too, it's too complex. I know we try to get all sophisticated, and that's not a real word, but I'm going to say it anyway. We try to get all sophisticated, sophisticated with our theology and our intellect, and, and, and that's great. Go in, get smart, do your thing, learn things, but faith is simple. I, I, I receive the unconditional love of God in Christ, and I go. And I give that love to other people. <laughs> That's it. I, 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 I don't see, you know, we can't let the devil just, just corrupt our minds from the simplicity that is in Christ. Here we go. Your life should have a single focus. What's the first one? To know Jesus. <laughs> That's it. That's it. That is it. To know Jesus. That, what, what are you here for? Know Jesus. Why do you pass it? I want to know Jesus. What's your marriage all about? Getting to know Jesus. What is parenting all about? Just want to know Jesus. What's do? What what is um you know being online all about and and and, and leading the, knowing Jesus? What what are my trials and tribulations and struggles all about? Oh, actually, that's that that's all about knowing Jesus too, right? That's it. Where is Jesus? I want to know him. Why do I read my Bible? I want to know Jesus. Come on, do you ask me any question about life. And I'll tell you, the reason is so I can know Jesus, right? Why do I want to open my heart up and say, God, whatever's wrong in me, deliver me? Why? Not so I can look like some super spiritual person, because um, that's pride. No, I want to know Jesus. The Apostle Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, here it is, that I may know him. All right, he said another time, that I might be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own, but that which comes from Christ, right? The Bible also says that my life, my life, I mean, that's everything, is hidden with Christ in God, that I might know him. I want to know Jesus, that I might know him. Uh, the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings. What does that tell you? That powerful times, suffering times, I want to know him, right? Um, I'm not trying to fit my intellectual theology. Um, you know, I'm not trying to make life tell me what my theology is. No matter what comes my way, I'm going to know Jesus better. Like that's, that's the goal, right? What, you know, that, that's, and that, that is always the answer. How? Can I know him more through this? COVID-19 doesn't rob me of my faith. It doesn't, it, 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 it breaks my heart, what I see happening. It, it, and, and, and in that, I'm getting to know Jesus more and where people are at and their, their, their mindset and, and where, you know, and, and how do I be Jesus to people that are greatly and uh, grievously affected by society and politics? This whole thing is for the real purpose of me knowing Jesus. 
more. All right? To know Jesus. To know Jesus. I just want to, I just want, I just want to be sheep. Bah. You know what I'm saying? That's it. You know, the people, people say that sheep are dumb. You know, they're the simple creatures. Now, why would God look at his bride? Why would God look at his people and say, man, y'all are just be some sheep, right? I'm not saying God is um, talking down to us or patronizing us. I'm just saying it's not about, uh, you know, uh, it's not that God looks at us as, 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 as dumb creatures, right? He makes us intelligent and, and genius in certain areas of life. And, and, and we, you know, and we, you know, that, that's, 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 that's great. I'm just talking about faith. That our faith is that simple. That, oh, what's Jesus saying? Where, where's he telling me to go? Like, I, I told my wife, I might have mentioned this last week. I told my wife that we're in the kitchen. Um, that's where we talk. We talk in the kitchen, um, among other places, but that's definitely one place. And I told her, I said, look, there's one thing. I'm not perfect. You know, I had to remind her because sometimes she thinks I am. But uh, I had to remind her. I said, uh, uh, I was like, there's one thing you're going to get from me as your husband. And that's I am going to obey Jesus. And she was like, that's right. So I don't do everything right. And I don't got it all together. But if I, I'm just, like if I hear the shepherd, I'm, I'm going. And y'all coming with me? Because we're going. We're going to follow Jesus. I mean, at the end of the day, that is where the Mandoli household is going to end up. We just a bunch of sheep. He's the shepherd. And if I hear his voice, man, I am moving. I am God. He's, he's my safety. He's my protection. He's Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, my shepherd. All right. So to know Jesus. Second point is this. Second sub point, whatever you want to call it. I want to be like Jesus to other people. I mean, I want to know Jesus and I want to be like Jesus to other people. Um, that is the greatest relational focus, goal, plan, heart, motive. I want to be like Jesus to other people. I want to, we are the light. This is simple, of the world. If I, my behavior is contrary to the dignity of his person, I need to repent. I need to reconcile that. That's, that, you know, and, and we're going to have moments where we deviate from his nature in relationship. If you're married, this will happen on a rhythmic thing. Like it's going, we're going to, you know, that's what relationship is all about. And because my goal is I want to be like Jesus. And if I'm not like him, I need to uh, be honest about it and, and, and forgive and ask for forgiveness and, and be vulnerable. I mean, I want to be like Jesus in my relationships. This is, this is the simplicity of the gospel. First Corinthians um, chapter one, verse 18. For the message of the cross is foolishness. It is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to us who are being saved, it is the power of God. You know, power of God and, and simplicity go together. Uh, you know, Apostle Paul said, I did not come to you with persuasive words of men's wisdom, right? But in the demonstration of the Holy Spirit and power, it wasn't complex. It was just God's presence, God's power, ministering to people through him, 
That was his goal. I want to be like Jesus to other people. I mean, I want to, we want to be just a walking, talking Jesus. I mean, he's so meek and so lowly, so humble and so holy. I mean, we want to be like Jesus. And at the end of the day, when you're in relationship, when you're in community, you start to get to know people, get to know their idiosyncrasies, their weaknesses, their propensities, their attitudes, their, their political ideologies, whatever. And it's like everything is all over the place, man. It's complex. I mean, people got some complexity. The Bible says he made us, you know, wonderfully complex. I mean, there is layers to people, but if we want to stay free and help people walk in freedom, right, we got to, we got to, we got to make all of that secondary to be in Jesus to people, right? I want to, I want to be a walking, talking Jesus, all right? That, that's what I want. I want to be, there's an old gospel song, right? I want to be like him, to be like Jesus, uh, you know? I want to be like Jesus, right? Um, here's the next one. It's simple. I, I want to live a life pleasing to Jesus. I mean, that's it. I know I'm kind of smirking and chuckling a lot here, but that, that there's nothing greater than that in our faith. I mean, I want to read the word and get to know things and understand like, the, you know, I'm teaching a class uh, at the Leadership Institute in Southgate right now. I'm teaching on hermeneutics and we're going through the history of how there's a, there's the Alexandrian school of thought in interpreting scriptures. There's the Antiochian uh, approach to interpreting scripture. One is allegorical. One is, uh, one is historical and, uh, and, and, and you take it for what it says and just how this has evolved into, into different denominations and all this. And that's kind of fun to study and all that. But at the end of the day, I want to live. I mean, the, the complexity of that is great to learn. I love that. It's kind of intellectually stimulating. It can kind of, um, you know, help me in what I do as a pastor, understand those things. I, I enjoy knowing that. But at the end of the day, all that is secondary. And I want to live a life pleasing to Jesus. My life. My life. My, I mean, everything. Pleasing to him. Without faith, it is impossible to play. It's simple. How do you please God? Walk by faith. Well, I got to do this. I got to do that. And you know, a lot of people have a perception of, of, of Christ followers and, 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 and their perspective is like religion is there's a bunch of rules. Like, you know what I'm saying? I'm not trying to walk into a bunch of rules. It's that they don't see the simplicity of the gospel that when you encounter Jesus, when, when you encounter him, you, it's not about the rules, uh, but when you encounter him, you, you will, it's not about being good, but when you encounter him, you will live a life that is different, but it's not rules first. It's, it's, it's grace first and faith second. And then the living out comes after that. All right, I want to live a life pleasing to Jesus. All right, here we go. Here's the next one. I want to learn about him in his word. I want to learn about him in his word. Read the word because I want to know. I mean, I, I, I want to know. I mean, I want to understand things and do word searches and all that. But at the end of the day, if, at the, if, if, if you unpack my motive for Bible study, it must be 
I want to know Jesus. If there's any other motive, any other foundation, it's, it's off. It's, it's not simple. <laughs> it's I read the Bible because I want to know Jesus. I, I want to be like him. I want to live like him. I want to be a husband like him. I want to be a father like him. I want to be a friend like him, right? I mean, he is the example. He Christ-centered. That's it. When I preach, if I, if, if I, 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 I am accountable to not venture from that, that people would know Jesus, that they would know Jesus, not that they would be good Bible scholars or they would, they would, uh, you know, be super spiritual or, you know, they would, you know, no, no. I mean, just no, that people would know Jesus. That's it. That's it. All right. So the more you grow spiritually, the simpler things get. It's not, it's not beautiful. The simpler they should get, right? We should grow increasingly less complex in our faith. I mean, I just, just want to be like Jesus. <laughs> Say, just want to worship him. Just want to love him. I just want to follow him. Just follow him. Wherever he, I mean, I just, you know, why are you pastoring? I just, just want to know Jesus. That's it. I mean, there's all these other details and things and all that, but really at the end of the day, he's the shepherd. I'm the sheep. I mean, I'm a shepherd. I'm a pastor, but really I'm the under shepherd. He's the head of the church. We're just, just seeking him. I just want to hear his voice. If I, I just want to follow him, you know, like that old song, you know, I have decided to follow Jesus. You know, the world behind me, you know, the cross before me, right? I, I, I have decided to follow Jesus. Though none go with me, still I will follow. I'm still going to follow him. I, 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 just, I just want to be filled with him. It's a, I mean, that's where joy is. That, that's where peace is. That's where confidence is. That's where faith is. That's where grace is. I mean, everything you have need of will be found in Jesus alone. I mean, that, he's the head of the church. He's the good shepherd. He's the great shepherd of the sheep. He's the beginning, the end. He, he is uh, all throughout every book in the word of God is pointing to Christ. You're gonna find him in Genesis. You're gonna find him in Exodus as the Lamb of God. You're going to find him in Leviticus, right? He's holy. You're going to find him but throughout the prophets. He's the, he is the prophet. You're going you're gonna to find him in the Gospels, his story. I mean, you're going to find him in the letters of who we are in Christ. I mean, you're going to find him in Revelation because he's the end. He's the, he's the Omega. I mean, he is, you know, the revelation of the love of God, uh, you know, born of a virgin, uh, you know, died a sinner's death, raised the third day. He is a risen. I mean, he's everything. Christ is everything. You know, the more you grow spiritually, the simpler things ought to get. If you're growing spiritually and you're, you're more complex than you were when you first got saved, something's wrong. You got to simplify. You got to, you got to, you got to, you got to simplify. You got to just, Worship Jesus, love on God, pursue him, and, and let's leave these details. Um, you know, we got to surrender this stuff up. Amen. Um, if you, if, if your life is more, your faith is more complex than when you first got saved, something wrong. Something's wrong. That shouldn't change. It shouldn't change. Okay. Um, I want to live a life pleasing Jesus. I want to learn about him in his word. Okay. Here we go. First Corinthians 1 Corinthians 1.13. 
Here we go. These things we also speak, not in words, which man's wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches. Comparing spiritual things with spiritual. Verse 14. Here it is. Here it is. Simple. The natural man, talking about carnal, human, outside of Christ, the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God. For they are what? Foolishness to him. Spiritual things are foolish to carnally minded people. It's foolish. It, it, they don't see it. They don't see it. We don't see it. When we're carnally, we just don't see the simplicity of it. Okay? For they are foolish to him, nor can he know them, because they are what? Spiritually discerned. This is, this is simple, but it's spiritually discerned. Those that worship God must worship him in spirit and in truth. This world, the earthly realm is complex. The spirit realm in Christ is simple. Christ reigns. He's worthy of my praise and my worship. He is the supreme example, the reigning king of the universe. We worship and love him and pursue him that he, the Bible says, might have the preeminence. He is our everything, all right? Not a person. Not a group, not a church, not a church brand, not a religious community. Christ and him alone is worthy of our praise. So your life, your life, the foolery of your faith, of God's message, method, and mandate is this, is you, your life should have a single focus because you want to know Jesus. You want to be like Jesus to other people. You want to live a life pleasing to Jesus. You want to learn about Jesus in his word, right? And so... Let's do this. Um, here's the other three. I want to discover more about him in my trials. There, there is a purpose in trials. And there might be some sub things God is doing. But at the end of the day, there is no greater purpose than knowing him, than being like him. So trials are redemptive in Christ. Troubles are redemptive in Christ. Mourning is redemptive in Christ. The Bible says that blessed are those that mourn. It doesn't take away the mourning. It's not saying that mourning is not a reality. It's saying it is a reality. But in Christ, even mourning, we are blessed. It's redemptive. Every situation and circumstance in life in Christ is redemptive. And God will do something through it. He proved it throughout history. He did something in God's people when they came out of Babylon in, in the book of Ezra, built the altar, built the temple, built, uh, sanctified God's people, built the city around the wall. There is something that through the process of them coming out of Egypt, through the process of them crossing the Red Sea, through the process of them being in the wilderness, through the process of them crossing the Jordan, uh, and through the process of them conquering the, the land that God had given them, through the process of, of David being persecuted by the, by the king of that day and actually being hunted after to be killed. There was something redemptive, something happening in David through it, through the process of him being rejected by the army of Israel, rejected by his brothers. And he showed up and he, he went and got him a five smooth stones and put one in his sling. I mean, there was something redemptive about the process. Everything we go through in Christ, I want to discover 
more about Jesus in my trials. Where is Jesus? Because he has not left me. This trial might feel like it, but he's here. There was something redemptive about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego being put in that fiery furnace. There was, some, there was a fourth man in there. They discovered something about God in that place. And the people that witnessed them in the fire discovered something about God in that place. It was none other than the, than the son of God. Like God was in the midst of the fire with them. I want to discover more about Jesus in my trial. If we would just take a step back and think, God, what are you showing me about yourself in this trial? What is it, Jesus, you are doing? I mean, all throughout history, even uh, as I'm kind of studying some church history right now, I mean, all throughout the, the heresies and and the um, the 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 doctrines of devils that came from canon of scripture. And there was always somebody in a generation pursuing Jesus and, and walking with God. There was always a remnant, always somebody that was discovering more about Jesus in the midst of even societal turmoil and world wars. Like there was... A people, if you look at the early church, man, they were under Roman rule. The, God's people, the land of Israel, I mean, it was occupied. And yet the church thrived and was founded in a society that was ran, you know, by an empire. I mean, it wasn't, you know, they, and it was thriving. The religious people were nervous. The, the, uh, the Romans were nervous. They were like, what's going on? What's it like? You know, they, 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 they said, you know, the apostle Paul was, was a plague. He's a troublemaker. Like shut them down in the midst of a society that day. The church thrived. Why? Because they were committed to discovering more about Jesus in the trial. Here's the next one. I want to celebrate him in my praise. That's what praise is all about. It's not about music. It's not about production. It's not about a light show. It's not about a big stage. It's not about a smoke machine. Praise is about celebrating who Jesus is. That is what praise is. It is not, it is not praise is not relegated to some sleek whatever production. I mean, praise God for production and all that. I mean, but but that is not praise. That is production. That is, and, and we can use those tools to create an environment for humanity. But at the end of the day, praise is about celebrating who Jesus is. And if we and if a church is like in some who knows, you know, some village, some third world country on a dirt floor and don't even have chairs, my goodness, they can celebrate who Jesus is. They don't need all the trappings of modern society to give God praise. I mean, that's not what praise is. Praise is celebrating who Jesus is. Okay, here we go. Here's my last one. I want to honor him in my worship. I want to honor him in my worship. So once again, your life should have a single focus. And here it is. You know, here's just a, a few ways to say it. I'm just saying the same thing a different way. That's all it is. I have one point today to know Jesus. 
And I want to be like Jesus to other people. I want to live a life pleasing to Jesus. I want to learn about him in his word. I want to discover more about him in my trials. I want to celebrate him in my praise. I want to honor him in my worship. Here it is, my last verse and we'll pray. 1 Corinthians chapter three, verse 18. It says, let no one deceive himself. Here it is, deception again from the simplicity. And sometimes we look at deception like people that maybe as Christ followers, I'm talking to the church right here, that people that don't believe Jesus is God, right? That, that, that we believe he is according to the word and our, and our testimony and, and what we see happen, right? That is in essence deception, but there's deception in the church and the, the deception and he's talking to a church and the deception is that we've overcomplicated our faith. We've made it about so many other things that it is not about, and it is about knowing Jesus. Here it is, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you seems to be wise in this age, let him become a fool that he may become wise. Foolery, God's message, his mandate, and his method. For the wisdom of this world, verse 19, is foolishness with God. It, that is foolishness. Complexity is foolishness from God's perspective. For it is written, he catches the wise in their own craftiness. And again, the Lord knows the thoughts of the wise that they are futile. Therefore, let no one boast in men for all things are yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or Cephas, he's talking about different leaders in the church or the world or life or death or things present or things to come, all are yours. Here it is, verse 23. And you, here's the simplicity. And you are Christ and Christ is God's. Simplicity. So Father God, right now, I just pray for everybody. I pray God that you just strip us down from the complexity, from the confusion of faith, the conflict of faith, the, the complexity of our world creeping into the simplicity of our faith. And Lord, we surrender that, we let it go. And Lord, we just say, Lord, help us, show us, Spirit of God, how to keep things in the framework of the simplicity in Christ. And we thank you for freedom to simply love God and love people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. I hope you enjoyed the message and my prayer is that it inspired and challenged you. If you're ever in the LA area, join us for one of our weekend gatherings and to stay connected, just follow us on social media. Remember, there's always hope and your future in God is great.